This week's episode of the Mothball Prophecies is the conclusion to our conversation with Gabriela Hernandez of Besame Cosmetics. Enjoy. You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Yeah, but anyways, as far as... uh you wanted to talk about collecting. We've been talking about all kinds of stuff. <laughs> no, I no, love this. No, this is usually how it goes. Well, and you know, this just means <laughs> that we're just going to have to have you on again to talk oh, well, your collection. You <laughs> yeah. Well, I do have a, a large collection at the store. I, I I started buying, you know, when I started the line or before I started the line, really in, in like 2002 or so, or so, I started buying things. And, um, and I used to go to, you know, like, flea markets and, and uh, eBay sales or other antique uh, sellers online that just sell antique makeups and other things. And and I started just kind of curating what I, I would buy, but but not because I like the container. I mean, some of them I like the container because I'm inspired by the container, but really the most things is that I wanted the makeup inside. So I wouldn't buy it unless it had makeup in it because sure. I want makeup, you know, and, and I, and I just don't leave it like pristine on my shelf. I actually like, you know, like uh, put it out and cut it and, and, and spread it and analyze the color and all this kind of stuff. So I'm not like, uh, I'm not like most collectors. I would kind of leave it on there. Right. Don't touch my- it. Don't look at it. Don't touch it, and that because I, I want to know what it's made of. That's why I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's not like uh, yeah, it's pretty and everything, but it's more of like my working sample than uh-huh. than than, than uh, a collectible that I just put down to look at it. You know, yeah. Uh, for me, it's a working sample kind of thing. So where does like outside of collecting vintage like an antique cosmetics, what do you like to collect outside of the beauty world for your own personal collection? Uh, not much, really. I mostly collect uh, anything that has to do with beauty, like any, any, even tools and other things, you know, things that are interesting. Yeah. Um, I do collect some books. I have really, really old books, uh, especially on, on beauty, like books written in the 1800s and oh, wow. uh, you know, that, that have recipes and other things and uh, techniques of what people did and thought about beauty, which is really quite uh, fascinating to read yeah. how um, sexist uh, those books are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, re- reading them now, you're like, oh my god! How, <laughs> you know, how can they say that? You know, how right. can they say these things? Like, the, oh, the woman's mind is too delicate for mathematics, <laughs> and, uh, and they, they can't handle complex thoughts, so they should really just kind of relax and not think about complex things. You know, all just this really, <laughs> really, really, uh, it's like, were they just not paying? They weren't paying well, attention. Well, that's why to when anybody asked me what time period would I like to go back to, I'm like, none, none for that. None of them. Yeah. I like to emulate <laughs> the styles. Yeah. Yeah. That's what people, that's, that's what people forget about, you know, when all these kids dress up and they go, Oh, I don't want to be in the fifties. or I want to be in the forties. And that is like, they don't actually think of what it was like actually to live in the 40s. They yeah, just no. kind of like yeah. style. 
But if if they actually knew exactly what it involved to live in those pews, <laughs> I don't think they would like it that yeah, much. No, no, no. Let's Anna. keep the styles moving forward, but leave all the problematic <laughs> stuff <laughs> all the way back yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. Keep going There's forward. Oh, yeah. so many problems. So many problems. I mean, you, you know, countless problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of, like not being able to get jobs, not even being able to wear what you wanted or mm-hmm. having to be married with if you had no power whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You couldn't really own properties and things. It was hard. You know, it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was uh, ridiculously difficult. And if, if um, kids actually found out exactly what it involved i don't think they would be that interested in it because they would be uh, horrified Mm -hmm. to read some of these uh things that were going on um and and if you read these books that's exactly what you get you know all these uh uh all these ways of acting like how women should act and what they should do and Mm -hmm. not do and 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 all of you know and like, uh, you know, it's those things now that we're actively trying to shake out of the culture of being quote unquote yeah. feminine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we're still fighting all those the same, same glass ceiling and, mm-hmm. and, and lack of opportunity and, and paid a lot less than men. We're still fighting this after so many, a hundred, 200 years. Yeah. We're still yeah. We're still fighting the same stuff. So it's like, no, why would you want to go back to that? It was even worse than it is now. We still don't even have it together. You know? <laughs> exactly. uh, it, it, we, we're still a, a far ways away from being equal. It, it's getting better, you know, like things are, are progressing. Like now we have a VP that's a woman, with yes. this, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, and a Fed chair that's going to be a woman. So it's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, progress in mm-hmm. some some ways, but then there's a lot of stuff that isn't yeah. like that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. because we're still treated differently in a lot of right. Lot well, of and yeah, it's a it's a different experience for everybody. But you probably got the truest dose of it because not only are you a woman, but you're you've you immigrated to the country, and then oh. you have an accent. So it's like people automatically and this maybe i don't know is a little too brash but it's so true is it's we treat as a as a culture in this country people that have overcome so much adversity and speak two languages as if they are not intelligent people oh yeah i i noticed that not, not so much in california because we're so you know it's yeah. California's so diverse but when i travel to do shows like in other states um, you know, people would just like talk behind my back. Other other people that were exhibiting there because they couldn't figure out where I was from, what because I sounded different, and they just couldn't figure it out. Uh-huh. You know, so they kind of chit chat among themselves, uh, and it was just like the weirdest thing because I was like, "What are mm-hmm. these people? You know, why why are they doing that?" Mm-hmm. And um, and it it just uh, it's an oddity for. For people in other places, and I, I didn't realize this un, un, until I left this the state. Mm-hmm. That in other states, I I would be odd, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. with people. They wouldn't quite know what to do with me because I didn't quite fit. They didn't know. What, yeah, you, know. you didn't fit their mold. Yeah, it's exactly. it's a weird yeah. thing that those people do to try and assimilate somebody's worth based on where they're from. 
Yeah, it's it's very it's very very odd. And having a Spanish name, they just couldn't comprehend where I was coming from, you know, um, because obviously a Spanish name to them means different things mm-hmm. in different states. So he's like, how come this person is exhibiting here? They must be European, you know. So they assumed that I was European. It's such a <laughs> because they couldn't like it wasn't going to be somebody that was from a culture that they knew yeah Mm -hmm. spanish or other languages um so even the people working there that were from uh spanish descent found it you know different they 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 were like kind of surprised Mm -hmm. they even took pictures with the booth because it had a name that was spanish yeah which okay, it's cosmetic. It's that's it's so because they don't look at they don't look at L'Oreal and think oh it's French. They don't look at yeah. uh, yes. Estee Lauder or Clinique or anything like that and go oh this is so exotic. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's 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 kind of very interesting how people make up their minds. It, it's it's the first that I've noticed this because I hadn't noticed it in in other cities because I always you know I either lived in California or when I first emigrated here, I came to New York and in, in the Bronx where there was like a bunch of all kinds of people going yeah, on. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really notice mm-hmm. the, the culture issue as much. And I was little too, but, uh, uh, but, but when I started traveling for business, as I got older, I, there's where I actually saw different yeah, yeah. cultures, different things. And, um, you know, I, I, it, it was kind of interesting. I, I, one, one of the trips, I, I took a taxi to an area because I thought there were antique shops there, but there really weren't any, I, you know, or they were closed and there weren't. And I was kind of stuck in this neighborhood and there was nothing around. And it wasn't like the time where you had Ubers, there wasn't an Uber or whatever. So yeah. I didn't know what to do because I was just, there was no bus, no nothing. I was like, what am I going to do now? I got to get back to the hotel and I don't even know where I am. You know, and so I, I was just standing on a corner there and uh, and this old lady comes with the car and she goes, are, are you lost? Do you know where you're going? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, my goodness. And then she didn't quite trust me. So he goes, OK, well, uh, just stay there and I'll see if I can get uh, somebody to come for you. But I'm going to go and tell my daughter that you're here. So she. She left with her car. Oh, <laughs> she saw me there. <laughs> I think if I would have stand, it would be standing there another five minutes. Probably the police would have come. Yeah, and escorted me somewhere else right. because obviously I didn't belong yeah. to that. But you know, and it's like, is it, which is very weird. I, I had never kind of, I, yeah. never, I never had that happen before. Um, so it was, uh, it was kind of an experience to. Yeah. To, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, but yeah, it's 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 kind of uh, weird how they make assumptions, and even even industry makes assumptions, like stores, mm-hmm. you know, because the name is in Spanish. They think, oh, well, you only sell makeup for Hispanic people. Then it's like, no, that's not quite true. I mean, I sell makeup no. for everybody. Yeah, yeah, for everybody. It's for anybody yeah, who wants like, it. But because the name is in Spanish, they think the line only sells to that demographic of people. It's like. Why? Why would you think that? You know. Yeah. 
I don't, other names are in French and you don't think that's just for French just for, people. Yeah, exactly. But, you know. no, it's just the good old fashioned run of the mill shitty racism. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's but, it's, you know, but I see it over and over again, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's not, um, I, I don't even know if these people realize that they're doing this. No, no, and it's it's that it's that type of thing that is it's the the covert racism. You know, people racism is a spectrum, and people think that it only exists in slurs, right? Yeah, but it doesn't. No, it's, it it exists no. in. No, it's not. It's not because they make assumptions about this. N- not only with the type of people that you can service, but also the economic and social status mm-hmm. of the people that you can service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. If the name is in in Spanish, then you you make cheap makeup. That only that only people without any means can mm-hmm. buy. You know, this is what they assume. So if they have customers that are not that, they think, oh well, you're not for me because my customers would never, you know. It's just uh, disgusting. So. Uh, and, and, but but this is uh, like um, uh, underlying assumptions mm-hmm. that are very hard to shake because they're. Part of the makeup of of how people think, uh, and uh, even in very progressive areas, you still see these ideas. Yeah, um, and you see it about every you know Spanish uh, uh, things or even um, things that are uh, in in uh, by uh, black entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. They have the same issue. Yeah, you know, yeah. same yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing. It, yeah. You know, they think, oh, well, it's only for these people and it's only for that. And, you know, and it's only going to be that the demographic and that socioeconomic uh, levels. And it's like, uh, but that's not necessarily true. No, that, that's not true. Um, we live in a melting pot of people and all kinds of cultures and all kinds of things. And people have good ideas in every uh, country in the world. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why this is still a thing. Yeah. And I'm hoping that with all this Me Too movement that this is going to start to change. I'm yeah. hoping that yeah. it'll start to change. Um, and maybe it has a little bit. But but it's something we constantly have to be working on mm-hmm. because... It's it's a prevalent thing. It's, yeah, it's yeah. kind of prevalent, it on, and it's prevalent in in business, mm-hmm. uh, especially businesses that are run by men. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, and which most of them are. Which and you know you see this too in your side. Um, the beauty industry is made for women, but run by men. Yes. When and I worked for a hair care company, hair all of the top guest artists were men. Mm-hmm. And not, and it's just it's that that patriarchal nonsense that keeps perpetuating yeah well the the makeup industry was run by men from the beginning too because remember at the beginning women couldn't be makeup artists only men could yeah because because uh the um um you know movies were shot at different times you know they had to they had to run long in that and so at that time women weren't allowed to really work after five o'clock they had to be home to make the dinner and then take care of their husbands and that so they weren't allowed to be in uh, makeup artists in the union because um because uh, restrictions on their work time yeah they were just too delicate yeah so only men were artists uh, for a very long time, men were artists. So all of the uh, makeup and, and how Hollywood did makeup for a very long time, you know, all the beginning of Hollywood was all run by men. Yeah, yeah. They decided what was pretty. They decided what looked nice, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and they did it math, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most of it was done with math mm-hmm. because they were men, yeah. you yeah. know. 
Yeah. You know, so, so all of it was done by by equations in math and like, you know, proportions and like this has to be this much and this has to be this tall and this has mm-hmm. to be this. Yeah. That's yeah. how they did everything. Yeah. Which is why it's so important to challenge those beauty standards because they were never dictated to benefit us. Mm-hmm. No, they, they were, were dictated to benefit into a mold. Yeah. They yeah. had to fit into a mold because they they thought they knew what was attractive to yeah. Men, yeah. Uh, the- and what would sell and mm-hmm. what would work. So they put everybody in those molds yeah. to make make them um sell to, yeah. to make that, that that property pay off because they were property of the studio, the artists at that time in, in the actors. Yeah. Uh, so so they needed to turn them into something that would sell tickets mm-hmm. and uh and these guys thought they had the formula for that and that's <laughs> it well and but that's, that's how they explained it to right. other men yeah know? they yeah. say oh yeah we know you know the hairline has to be here and the thing has to be there and for her coloring this is the thing and the hair has to be this mm-hmm. color and it has to be curled this way and, and the only so pretty on. face shape is an oval face shape if you don't have that we got to work towards that yeah right <laughs> and then they had other you know other ways to conceal it and mm-hmm. to think and uh, ways to make women look taller or shorter mm-hmm. or whatever, yeah. you know, all of this. So, so everything was to uh, make it conform to the ideal. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, uh, and we so are that's why we look the same. Yeah. yeah, we are raising children that will leave that behind. Is the yeah. most important thing. Yeah. Well, now. yeah. Now they have their own. They, they, they kind of. Um, it's, it's funny that you say that because I went to, you know, I did a, a trade show here in LA, in L.A. a while ago and all these young people come, you know, and uh, and they all want to be individual and they all want to, you know, be the, their own selves. But they all looked exactly the same. They were wearing the same shoes. They yeah. were wearing yeah. the same tops. They mm-hmm. were wearing the same skirts. And the thing. It, it was like, like they were wearing a uniform, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like, what happened to you guys being individual now? All of you are wearing the same thing. <laughs> Why is that? Yeah. How, how can you be individual and all want to look exactly the same? But there is a conformity. I mean, they kind of lead each other in what you're supposed to look like or what looks good. Yeah. And they all uh, and they're getting instant feedback on like, oh yes, this is good or no, you don't. Yeah, look good. no. If you don't, you better change it because we don't accept you like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> It's so like I that think Mean it's Girls Club. Than it was before, I think. Yeah. Way, you know, because you 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 have to conform to what they think is pretty. Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. might be different things than it was before, but I think you still have the same pressures. Yeah, because uh, it's that same kind of you know that we've evolved so much, but we haven't quite got past the village hierarchy mindset. Mm-hmm. of like you know we're all in this hut together and if you're different then here you go bye. you're out yeah yeah or approval from your peers you mm-hmm. know yeah we're still seeking approval from our peers yeah at that especially at those <laughs> ages middle school yeah. to high school yeah more are... than ever now because mm-hmm. it's such an instant thing you know before mm-hmm. it took longer yeah to see yeah what people like what you did or didn't or whatever mm-hmm. but now it's like you post a picture instantly you know Oh no! People didn't like this. Then I won't do this again. Yeah. I have to wear a different color or different hair or whatever. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they adapt according to public opinion. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, you know, and I try to tell the young kids I have in my chair, 
it's only for such a short time in your life and then you're going to grow out of it and you're going to yeah. do the things you want to do and you'll feel so free mm-hmm. when you just do what you want to do and you don't care really what anybody yeah. else is thinking. It's just for some reason at that particular time in their lives, it seems so important. Yeah. When people and... think it's like everything, mm-hmm. what other people think, you yeah. know? When it really has no meaning whatsoever. No, and well, I, you know, I try to think back on uh, middle school and high school and thinking of, did I ever, I was never paying attention to somebody else. I was so hyper fixated on if I was doing the yeah. right thing, if I was popular enough. I literally just have like your own personal blinders on, but you don't mm-hmm. realize that until until later, much later. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I was an odd Man out, I think, on that end because I never cared mm-hmm. about it. Um, when I was in school, I was so focused on what I was doing, yeah, and uh, and things I was interested in and stud- studying that I really didn't care about any anybody's or anything. Or uh, I didn't wear any makeup. I didn't wear any nothing. I, I just I just was just doing my thing. Mm-hmm. I, I I had. Uh, I had like zero interest in any any extracurricular activities. I just was into my own thing for some reason. I don't know why. I guess I was really into my studies or into my things and mm-hmm. I I really didn't pay any attention to anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any any files, any nothing. I just did my thing and I pretty much ignored every everybody. I went, I went to my classes and then I went home. And that's yeah. it. Didn't uh, I didn't participate in any of it. I was kind of a loner yeah. uh, in school. Um, I was just into my own. I, I was in the library a lot. I did my own things, and you know, uh, to study. And I was really concerned on 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 getting you know my grades in that. So I was I was uh, uh, very competitive with my grades. So I had to I had to be an A student in all all, all of my classes, and and so I. I, that's all I did. You were worried about the long-term important stuff and not the... Yeah, I just, I was into, into really being the best and my teacher, I had really good teachers and they challenged me in a lot of ways to um, learn more or, you know, or go ahead with more stuff. And so I spent my time doing that. I had, Mm -hmm. uh, I had uh, one of my math teachers was actually in Mensa. So she was super, super smart woman, um, this Hungarian lady uh, that just could do any math, any, 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 math, any calculations. So she would, um, uh, she was just very soft spoken and very, you know, and like just do her equations like this. And, she would, uh, and see, that's the solution. And you go, oh my God. <laughs> How did she do that? So, you know, she would, uh, she would just challenge me with like, she would put up like this insanely long equation. And she would say, see if you can solve that. You know? <laughs> and, and then I would just like, you know, I would go, I would take it as a personal, you know, a challenge. Challenge for yeah. myself. So I worked on it for like the whole week and I solved it, you know. Uh, and I was so proud of my job when I did. <laughs> so that's what I was spending my time on, that kind of stuff. It wasn't for, uh, it, it wasn't any, 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 you know, smoking that was being done in the bathroom yeah. and all this nonsense that the girls were doing. I, I really, or their boyfriends or their 
right. you know, mm-hmm. hot rods or whatever the hell they were doing. Right. I, I, I wasn't engaging with right. any of that. I You're was, like, sorry, guys, I'm busy solving math. I can't. Yeah, yeah. I really I have this problem bugging me. Yeah, <laughs> it was just cha- it was just a challenge. And I found it. I, I just I just couldn't stop myself from, mm-hmm. you know wanting to know how to solve it, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's because I'm naturally curious and that, you know, and then my chemistry teacher did the same thing. So then I had to do that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) which is why you have created such a successful empire for yourself is that that curiosity really propels your brand speaks for itself in quality, of course. But to know that you have such a adoration for the whys and the hows and the wheres makes it that much more special to me, really. Yeah, yeah. That, but that's what makes it interesting for me because, you know, there's so many Me Too products. I mean, everybody makes eyeshadow. Everybody makes Louisiana. There's mm-hmm. like thousands of people making all kinds of stuff. So it's, you know, it's it's really not very fun to just say oh well they're all selling this then make that too and sell it yeah it's like and then it's just kind of like you're just trading you know Mm kind of like a trade well yeah and there's a reason i mean everything you make was popular once and popular again and is classic for a reason so why yeah why try and create a new classic yeah, um, and then the Reds, actually, there is a reason. It's not like they were arbitrary. People think they were arbitrary Reds, but they're not really. Uh, the Reds had a lot of intention in the past because most people wore red. So they made Reds that were toned to different types of women. So, like, if you had a certain color of hair or a certain complexion, that Red would be a good one for you. And then if you had salt and pepper hair, and a light complexion, then that red would be mm-hmm. better for you because it caught the kind of the coloring, the main coloring of your uh, of your face, and it enhanced it. So, so they made reds specifically for different women. So, so they look good because they went with the coloring of whatever that woman is. So, yeah. there's so many shades of red, and mm-hmm. that's why there's so many different shades. And we kind of lost that throughout the thing because. Not too many people wore red after a while, so the companies decided, well, let's just make one red and yeah, call, just it, call it good. You know. <laughs> yeah, it because you know, not too many people buy red, so you know, most people buy pink or nude, so make 30 nudes and one red, yeah, <laughs> red, you know. Uh, so, so obviously, you lost the whole nuance of all those colors that kind of went with different skin yeah, tones. Sure. So, the red they make is just one kind of probably blue blue tone red because everybody hates orange reds for some reason because they think that somehow they look bad but they don't look bad on everybody they just don't look good on certain people yeah uh, because they don't go with your complexion but they look really good on other people so it's not like they always look bad they just don't look good on certain people but anyways since most people they convince that you know yellow based or orangey reds are not good Mm -hmm. they always make a cool tone red and that's the only one they offer so if you don't fit that one it's not going to look that hard on you so then most people think oh red doesn't suit me you know Mm -hmm. because there just isn't a good one out there for you but it's not that red doesn't suit you it's that particular red doesn't suit you Mm -hmm. you know 
Yeah. Um, the yeah, same, so yeah, the same um, nuances go with hair yeah. color too of exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing. You know, it's like if, if, if you're going blonde, there are certain blondes that look good depending on your skin tone, but other blondes look terrible, yeah. you know? But well, and there's, I, with, you, you see it too. Like within shades, there's hundreds of options. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. we've taken up so much of your time today. I'm so <laughs> appreciated, but I want to move to uh, something else that has way too many options and Jill hates me for it. Yeah. So we cool. do this thing on the show called it's an imaginary estate sale or flea market okay. or antique store. Uh, okay. And this estate sale is completely made up of everything. Okay. But it's filled with all of your favorite things. So if you think this one thing is there that would tip the scale for you, it's most definitely there. It's all okay. your favorite stuff, everything you'd love to collect. Okay. And each scenario, there's a couple choices, but you can only pick one or the other. You can't take all of them. Okay. All okay. right. It's just a fun thing we do at the end to, you know, really solidify the friendship or you'll never okay. be back because some people hate <laughs> me for it. <laughs> So today we're shopping at like an antique mall that's liquidating in central California and it's filled with wonderful antiques and vintage items. And we're going to work from booth to booth. Okay. So we walk in and we start working in a clockwise movement through the booth. The first booth we come to has collection of antique and vintage clothing. Okay. There's a selection of vintage. So there's going to be, this is a two part question. So there's vintage hats, gloves, and muffs. Which one do you pick? Hats. Gloves. Okay, I'm going to go with muff. So with the hats, Gabriella, do you pick a full or cloche, a turban or a veiled cap? Uh, cloche. Ooh, good choice. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I All like right. that choice. Oh. Jill, with your gloves, are you choosing leather or silk? Leather. Ooh, nice choice. <laughs> and then I'm going to go with the uh, pastel pink muff that's been colored. Oh, that's a good one. That's what I'm going to pick. The next booth we come to, of course, is full of a collection of different styles of makeup containers. Okay. The, there's compacts, cases, and sets. Okay. There is a lot to pick from, but I want to know what style of cosmetics do you pick from? There is Art Deco, Mid-Century, or the Early 70s. Art Deco. Art Deco for sure. <laughs> yes. Uh, what are you going? With? <laughs> uh, I want to go Art Deco, but I love the packaging of the early seventies, late sixties, just like the bright, whimsical. It's kind of what I'm into right now, so I think I'm going to go with the early seventies. I think. I think I'd go with the Art Deco too. <sighs> I really like Art Deco lately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so classic. It is. It's just fun. And then this question, it's a little bit more of a hypothetical slash holy grail. If you could find any makeup in today's world from the past, what would you want to find? Any makeup from the past? Yeah, that you could find like intact, purely pigmented, everything it was like, like it had been. Shadows. shadows. Really? Shadows. Eyeshadows? Yeah. Eyeshadows. I can't find eyeshadows for the life of me. Oh, that's so interesting. That is. Eyeshadows, because it wasn't that popular to wear eyeshadows for a very long time. Yeah. So even even some people might have worn shadows in the 1920s, but not a lot of people did and not many commercially available. Wow. So I can't find a lot of samples of shadow, especially in any colors. 
You know, oh. I have one that's black and I can't find other shades wow. for the life. So oh. yeah, if you find any shadows, let me know. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. I'm in the market market for shadows, 1920s, 1930s, uh, 40s, even shadows, any, any, any kind of shadow from those periods, I'll take it. Okay. Uh, listeners, you heard it here first. Find. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to, hard to find shadow. Um, because again, not too popular. Wow. That's something I would have never thought. A lot of people didn't wear it. They didn't care. Yeah. But now that you say that, because like my grandmas and my great grandmas never wore eyeshadow. Mm -hmm. They didn't care. It was maybe a special occasion thing, maybe, but people didn't have it. No. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I would have never, I would probably, if I could find anything from the past, it would probably be like uh, antique theater makeup sets. Oh. Those they are. There are some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, Steins. Stein makeup sets. Look for Stein. Okay, I'll look for those because those are. I used to do theater, yeah. and that was one of my favorite parts yeah. of doing makeup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just search Stein makeup in eBay and other places. Ooh. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes people do put it up for sale, and that that was what it was. At the time. <gasps> I gotta look. You You just had another thing (laughs) added to my list. (laughs) So, what is coming up for Bestmate? You guys have done so many launches in the past couple of weeks. I know because you know why? Because of COVID. Because everything that was supposed to launch six months ago got delayed. So all of a sudden, we were able to finish things way down the road, like almost at the end of the year. Stuff that was supposed to launch six months ago. But we couldn't because everything closed. Oh, that sounds so stressful. So, yeah. So we've been holding, you know, on to to stuff without it being able to sell it because it wasn't finished because the the place is all closed Mm -hmm. down. So we had stuff everywhere, pieces all over the place that we couldn't get to. Wow. Yeah, it's been very stressful, uh, very difficult financially, too. Yeah, I bet. For so long, you know. Um, But you know, at least we were able to finish it, you know, I'm I'm thankful that we were able to finish it. So, yeah. So that's why all of this stuff came out in, in this uh, last two months, because that's when we could get it finished, (laughs) you know? Um, And some of it we had to do by hand because the machines were out of commission. So we had to actually go back to our hand molds and make everything by hand. So, So the whole Mary Poppins collection is made by hand. Oh, that's so cool. That's the one that I'm going to ask for for Christmas. Yeah, that's a cute one. Is, yeah. I, well, and I, that color, that shade looks nice on my skin tone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> nice shade. It's very pretty. It's kind of like it took me a while. It took me months to get that shade right because I just could not get it together. They either went too bright or too nude or too, you know, it was mm-hmm. not, this was not it. It's like right in between being soft and being still red. Yeah, you know? yeah. it's very, um, very pretty. Uh, it's so it's pretty. it's very it's yeah it's very 60s because it, it's a 60s color mm-hmm. uh, because all the makeup from Mary Poppins was from the 60s really it wasn't supposed to it was supposed to represent 1910 but it was not 1910 it was 1960 <laughs> yeah no yeah yeah it was a nouveau 1910 yeah yeah all the makeup and the colors are from the 60s everything they used all uh, the techniques were all 60s makeup techniques so um, so we tried to to get it as close to that original as, as possible. Uh, but it was really hard to work with uh, 
the Mary Poppins license altogether. Really difficult license. Uh, there's some. There's a lot of secrecy around Mary Poppins, so it's very hard to get any information or anything on that at all. I wonder why that you is. Know? Was it? Why is it so secretive? Uh, the rights are kind of um, uh, entangled, you know, for that film between oh. uh, the actors and the studio, and that there's a lot of entanglement. Wow. And so. So a lot of things can't be done. You can't do them without permission from everybody. Yes. Oh, that yes. sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> I know. That sounds it, like it, a lot. It is very difficult to navigate that one. It was more difficult than I thought that yeah. it would be. Yeah, so, so it was the one that I, yeah, that, that was the most difficult to realize. And I, I, I didn't know this. And then with the pandemic coming, then it was even more difficult because, of course, all, a lot of people I got laid off and, and and so we had different teams that came in that really knew nothing about what was going on yeah. there. So so a very challenging situation. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, with with the different teams of people because everybody's displaced and uh, you know so so it's uh, it's hard to have a continuation of work when you've been working on something for so many months. Uh, right. Before, you know? And then yeah I work it all remotely. Yeah, and all remotely and not being able to send samples or to show samples or to go there in person and talk to people, you know. I like to actually go to the studio in person and talk to people. And I I haven't been able to do that for like a year, you know. So so it's it's hard. It's a lot harder to work like that without actually, you know, being able to interact with people, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the kind of stuff I love. I do hands-on, you know, hands-on things. I like to be very hands-on. Yeah. And, uh, you know. It's hard. That's hard. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful collection, and you—I think you really nailed the aesthetic of Mary Poppins, especially in such a a strange time to be doing business. I I know it's been—it's been very strange. Uh, The the nail polish, uh, uh, thankfully, people are liking it, and uh, that that again took me a long time because uh, the caps for those nail polishes come from Italy. And of course, Italy was shut down before even oh, we were. Yeah. So those, that, those shipments did never arrive on time. So it took, it took forever to get over here, but finally we got it. And then we did the nail set, which I, I think is, is, um, is kind of nice to have at home nowadays because I, I can't go get my nails done mm-hmm. either. Yeah. Uh, nobody can, but, but those products actually make it, very easy to do your nails. Yeah, I was looking over it and coming from a licensed background, I mm-hmm. was like, this is such a perfect, complete set to have all the cuticle oil and the little mm-hmm. bottle of remover because a lot of people try to get like a big cotton ball next to their fingernails to remove the excess. Yeah. And that brush will just, it's a brush on nail remover that you yeah. kind of run around I your cuticle that. area. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, super yeah, cute. It's very easy. And, and then if your nail polish gets a little hard, you can put a few drops of that and shake it, and then it revives it. Mm-hmm. So it's got everything's got a lot of uses to it, and um, you can use the uh, the nail, um, you know, the base coat as a hardener, so it kind of makes your nails nice oh, wow. and harder and nicer. Uh, and and I I use it as a natural um, manicure. Like mm-hmm. if I don't want color, I just use the the base coat. And then the uh, the top coat, and I just leave it like that. Um, and the top coat is just, I, it's it's it really works great because it makes it dry so fast. 
And and that's my one pet peeve with my nails is like if you put on stuff and then you can't touch. Yeah, and, and then you're like, like your just holding it, up for like, grabbing things. Like forever. <laughs> and, and, uh, and this thing is just magic how fast it dries the nails. You you put on that thing and then you know thirty seconds and you can touch them. You know, wow. it, oh, it's really yeah. um, it's really quite clever uh, how how it works really quick like that and it, it protects the coat and everything. So uh, I, I think it's. It'll work for people. I, I put it out there because I knew that I had a need for something, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm sure other people probably have the same issue, mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be a while till we can go and get our nails done. Yeah. So mm-hmm. at least do them at home. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Maybe one day you should make your own version of a setting lotion. Oh uh, yeah. Go all the way back to at home <laughs> stuff. That would be so yeah, cute. Yeah. Used to come in the little uh, Chinese. Yeah. You could have your own like little Besame girl <laughs> setting lotion. Yeah, there you go. Well, I, I I remember those things worked really well. I don't know how they do setting lotions now, but that, that one, I mean, it just kept the hair on there. Like my mom would keep yeah, it on there. They're a miracle to work with. And there's, it's definitely as styles are not a weekly thing so much anymore it's harder to find like a nice setting lotion that isn't going to be like too dry or too flaky, mm. oh, but it's yeah, all the difference that. in the world to set. If you're going to set your hair, set it with a, either a setting lotion or a mousse or a light gel. Oh yeah. Cause then yeah. it'll stay without hairspray will not be strong enough. Yeah. I don't no, no. The setting lotion is what did the trick before. Yeah. yeah. That, that's what kept the hair, you know, in yeah. place. You know, that's how they kept it nice for so long. Uh, and there's, you know, lots yeah. of older ladies, they don't like their hair curled with an iron. It has to be set on rollers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To give them... they think it lasts longer, yeah. too. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, okay, that'll work. They com- they're convinced that it lasts longer like that. So yeah. Not- <laughs> so we just, gonna- you just put them under the dryer and you go enjoy a cup of coffee. Yeah. When, back when they're dry. Well, yeah. Gabriella, I can't say how honored we are to sit down with you today. Yes. Especially thank you so much. Thank you so much for all your time you gave us today and being so candid about your stories with us. Oh, thank you. It's so much fun. You know, if you, yeah, if you want to ever come to California, come and see me at the shop. I love that. I, one of my biggest regrets about visiting, my friend used to live in downtown LA And you were on my itinerary. I wanted to go into Besame and watch them make lipsticks and get my own and get everything. But I was only there for the weekend. And and I regret it to this day. So I can't wait to check that off my list. Yeah. When you're coming over, let me know and I'll I'll give you a tour. Oh, my God. I love that. That'd be uh, awesome. I'll come over to the shop and then we can we can talk. We, I'm I'm making new things and I'm always working on new stuff. I'm making a lot of custom pieces, you know, because I like to make custom stuff. I I love engineering yeah. new things. I'm always engineering compacts and uh, trying to remake ones from the past, like like my new one right now, the refillable one. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one is from 1928. It's it's I have it's so original. beautiful. It's so uh, and and I loved it. And I just like I want that compact. I can't get that compact. So I remade it. <laughs> and it took me a while to get that thing to work because it just wouldn't work. You know, mm-hmm. the design doesn't adapt to our manufacturing techniques now. So now I'm tackling another design that I really like and I want to reproduce. So I'm always engineering new pieces and uh, trying to, to make interesting stuff. So I can't wait next to year see I have it. a lot of interesting interesting yeah. collections coming up. So oh, I'm, I'm excited. excited about next year. We have a lot of um, um, iconic women. I have two iconic women next year. So I'm, I'm very happy about oh, that. 
I'm so excited. Me too. We can't wait (laughs) to travel and take the show on the road and see what you're working on. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You can come over to my office and and my studio and see all my stuff. It's a date. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you genuinely for sitting down with us. You know, this show, when we started it, I was like, I wonder if I'll get to talk to all the people that I've looked up to. And so far we've been able to, and I feel incredibly blessed to be able to do that. So thank you. Yes. Oh, well, it's a lot of fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I had a blast. It's, oh, good. Reminiscing about the past. So it's fun. Good. Yes. <laughs> good. All right. You have a fab Sunday, okay? You too. You okay. too. Thank you so much. You're Bye. Welcome. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. To hear more about the items we covered in Gabriella's episode, make sure you stay tuned for the Curio Corner. So Jill and I are both sick right now. Jill tested positive for COVID. I'm waiting. So we'll add that suspense. You'll hear the results in a couple yeah. of weeks. <laughs> so Just in case all of you are wondering, I have no smell or taste. So I literally cannot taste anything. Yes. So, so we're recording remotely today until we figure that out. We both work in the public. So it was kind of inevitable. Yeah. You know, we say this a couple of times about when you and I, you know, are getting ready to sit down with somebody and me and you always wonder what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. And when we got done with this interview with Gabriella, we both like just, <laughs> we couldn't believe how well and how long and all everything went. Uh, let's be honest. We fangirled. Yeah. A bit. Hard. We did. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And um, I know we were both trying to contain ourselves and be professional through the whole thing. Yes. But at some point I was just like, oh my God, you're like, you like do this. Uh-huh. You're kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was definitely one of those starstruck moments where I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. And I, you know, like she's, you know, I feel like there's people we've interviewed that I followed for a really long time. Yeah. If you would have told me years ago that I'd get to sit down with all these people that I just adore, I would have been like, yeah, you're full of shit. I know. Like half the time, because a lot of the people you, you pick the people. And so I don't know a lot of the stuff they're going to talk about. So I'm just sitting there with my mouth open half the time. Like, whoa, what? What? That's a thing. Yeah. So I just, I loved it. And you know, we, we touched on a lot of, of the stuff that goes behind Gabriella, not so much the stuff that goes behind Besame. And the name of Besame, um, I wanted to talk about where its origin comes from. And she talks about being at trade shows and people thinking it sounds like European or this or that. So this article is from the New York Times by Margaret Fox in 2005, um, because the name of Besame is actually after a song called Besame Mucho, and Besame Mucho was written in 1941 by Consuelo Velasquez at the age of 25, though that's up for debate because she was kind of known to lie about her birth year. So like she was either born in 1916 or 1920. Nobody knew. Ooh, mm-hmm. I'm going to start doing that. Yes. She was born in Mexico. She wrote the song at around the age of 25. And uh, Besame Mucho is not so much an endearing standard of a song as it is a global 
phenomenon. This song was translated into dozens of language and performed by hundreds of artists. The song has been the emblem of Latin identity, an anthem of lovers separated by World War II, and a perennial grist for a lounge singers everywhere. It's been recorded by um, the Beatles, uh, Mantovani, and Besame Mucho has had more than 2 million performances on radio and television, according to the Billboard music charts. And when she talks about the naming it Besame, it is because her mother used to listen to Besame Mucho, and it was just a song she grew up hearing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's in the public domain, so I wanted to play... Bésame, mucho, como si fuera esta noche, la última vez. So in the song, they're basically talking about, it's like, kiss me a lot, kiss me mm-hmm. at night, kiss me during the day, kiss me at all these times. And then the irony of that is, it's rumored that she was never kissed. Oh. So that that's the origin of the company name of Besame and where Gabriella came up with it. That's adorable. I love that. And I love that it's got such a personal meaning too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was funny cause she also talked about her childhood. Um, she talked about TV guides. Yeah. And I know I remember getting TV guides, Sam, you probably still got TV guides. Yes. My grandparents uh, got them every week. Yeah, and I just remember, like, one day they just were, like, never around anymore. Yeah. It was just, like, they up and stopped. Like, nobody's watching TV anymore. Get rid of these. Yeah. Burn them. But, um, so there's a lot of um, information, obviously, on the TV guide. Um, the one I found that was, like, more broken down simply was, of course, on Wikipedia. And it said, the prototype of what would become TV Guide magazine was developed by Lee Wagner. He was born in 1910, and he died in 1993 who was the circulation director of McFadden Publications in New York City in the 1930s, and later by the time of the predecessor publication's creation for Cowles Media Company, distributing magazines focusing on movie celebrities. In 1948, he printed New York City area listings magazine, The Television Guide, which was first released on local newsstands on June 14th of that year. Silent film star Gloria Swanson, who then starred in short-lived variety shows The Gloria Swanson Hour, appeared on the cover of the first issue. Wagner later began publishing regional editions of the television guide for New England and the Baltimore-Washington area. Five years later, he sold the editions to Walter Anberg, who folded it into his publication and broadcasting company Triangle Publications, but remained as a consultant for the magazine in 1963. It then goes on to talk about how, because um, I guess in the beginning, they didn't really put pictures on them like they did when what we know, there's always somebody famous on the cover. Mm-hmm. It said the inaugural cover featured a photograph of Lucille Ball's newborn son, Desi Arnaz Jr., and was downscaled insert photo of Ball placed on top corner under the issue's headline, Lucy's $50 million baby. Whoa. The magazine was published in, di- in a digest size, like the Reader Digest. Oh, yeah. So smaller. Yeah. Which remained its printed format for 52 years. Wow. Yeah. So, and then, it, I mean, I remember getting them and 
it would be Pacific time. So then we'd have to go to mountain time. Yeah, you had to add shit to it. And then I'd be like, oh my God, I missed it. Yeah, that was the first like memory I have of just doing math all the time was trying to figure uh-huh. out when I was going to watch something on TV. And my grandparents, of course, they had like the 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 magazine holder next to the chair. My yeah. Was lazy boy. So he'd go over and I'd just rifle through that to look at the TV guide. But of course, I was only looking for the stuff that um I watched at my house. And then I don't we never had like growing up, we never had like a dish or anything. We just had regular cable. I can't read. I mean, we lived on base, so I think we had cable. But I just remember my sister and I going through it and be like, no, we're watching this at seven. No, we're watching this at seven. And then my mom would like come in and be like, no, we're watching this. And you're like, oh, mom. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was, it's one of those things where, you know, I, and I said it during the episode, it's like, I didn't even think of that being a collectible, but of course. Yeah, it's a collectible. I know. Well, and then I totally forgot about them until she said something and I was like, oh yeah, I totally remember those. And then I was listening, you know, it's like that, is it what, Bader-Meinhof, where you think about something and then it happens. Um, yeah. I was listening to another podcast this morning and they were talking about the TV guide and I was like, it's in the ether. <laughs> Somebody better get back on it. Yeah. Um, there was another thing we talked about that I didn't read anything because I'm a licensed hairdresser. So I'm just going to talk about what it is. Um, we talk about, I tried to find the setting lotion that she was discussing that looked like people mm-hmm. and I couldn't find anything. So I'm going to have to keep diving on that because it might have just been something that she had where she grew up and it wasn't in the States or mm, yeah, true. <laughs> anything like that. But we talk, we're talking about a uh, setting lotion. Which setting lotion is kind of like in between a mousse and a gel. It's not as stiff as a gel. It's definitely the lotion consistency is accurate. It's not made of lotion, Mm -hmm. but it's that slip that you would put on. So you'd work it into damp hair, not necessarily soaking wet. And you would use it to either set, you know, pin curls or a wet set or a roller set or anything like that. And you would either air dry or you would sit under a dryer. Mm -hmm. And this, the, the lotion is something that helps set your hair. So it'll give it some strength and some structure, some longevity, because at those times you only did your hair once a week and then you would sleep in rollers or curlers or pin curls or anything like that. And that you would keep your set all week, And then you would go back to the hairdresser. And we talk about this sometimes at work where it's like it it is a dying style because all of our generation doesn't do weekly sets. We've kind of moved back to that, like only washing your hair once a week. But the the stylistic nature of using rollers and we don't fuck with that so much anymore. No. And I just remember, um, cause my mom was a hairdresser when I was growing up. I just remember watching her take the curls curlers out and it was just like perfect circle. Yes. So fascinating. And there's two different types of, well, not two different types. There's a lot more, but she talks about them wrapping her hair around a big can yeah. And at the time, you know, there was like a couple different ways you could set your hair, but there really wasn't a lot of smoothing type rollers. Like there's what's called a jet set and a Velcro set. And a jet set is smooth all the way around. A Velcro set is a Velcro set. It's pokey, mm-hmm. right? And what they were doing to Gabriella's hair, because she had textured hair and it was more curly, they were taking a huge can of something that was smooth. So think of like the equivalent of a big round brush. Mm-hmm. And they were smoothing and stretching and using tension to get her hair smooth around that object and then set and pinned to her head that way. But of course, not comfortable or practical. 
there's other ways of like combing your hair and setting it also but it was you know it was a lot of work to get curly hair i just remember like those foam like the long foam ones and you'd roll it and then you'd wrap it like i tried several times with that but no that doesn't work no i've had my hair permed on those they give a nice oh. perm. You really have to know how you're laying them, though. The the tensive rings is kind of the foam tensive yeah. rings because they can get real curly real fast. Oh, yeah. I've had some poodle perms in my lifetime. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was uh, what we were referencing when we talk about sets and setting lotion. And those are, you know, when I was in beauty school, there was like the handful of girls that got all the old lady wet sets. And then the other girls got like a handful, like the misfit old ladies. I bet you can't guess which group I was in. I have no clue. The misfit old ladies. There was one lady that was, um, she was mean and she ended up moving into a retirement home I worked at out of beauty school. And like, it was like PTSD because she was crazy and mean and it would make girls cry. And I saw her get like wheeled around the corner and I was like, oh my God, it's her. Were you like running and ducking? Like, I was, oh. Well, I was at the front desk and so I was just like, oh. And then I was like, oh, no, and she's no longer in the power position. Look at us now. <laughs> 90 year old woman. <laughs> But another, you know, product we uh, don't necessarily think about anymore was really interesting. We're talking about the pigments in ingredients used in beauty products. Mm -hmm. Especially back then, they were just fascinated with finding something with color and not really knowing the science. Or if it was safe. (laughs) Or if it was danger. (laughs) Um, But so one of the things that they used was the vermilion, which gave off that bright red pigment um, that she said was super hard to mimic because you can't get it the way the poison does. Yeah. Um, But this, um, so this article came from chemistryworld.com by Neil Withers, but it said vermilion, cinnabar, mercury sulfite. Oh yeah. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Can we guess why it's oh, poison, man. guys? Yeah. <laughs> I was reading that. I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> right at the top. Um, and then it has a chemical name for it. But um, four names for pretty much the same thing, chemically at least. It's not only one of the oldest, brightest, and most widely used and best loved red pigments, but possibly one of the first compounds to be made synthetically. From Chinese lacquerware to medieval European masterpieces to Mesoamerican civilizations. This simple compound has been used everywhere. The pigment vermilion is just the mineral cinnabar ground up really fine. The cinnabar is naturally occurring form of mercury sulfide. It has a hexagonal disordered rock salt crystal structure. Um, there is another mineral formed by the mercury sulfide that does, um, it makes a black. Oh, um, but this, it's not as commonly used because you could get any a lot of other yeah, more non toxic <laughs> things to make black. Yeah, there's a lot more like organic and inorganic compounds that will make black. Yeah, um, but known since ancient times and even mentioned in the Bible, vermilion was even made from its constituent elements in China around the fourth century BC. But surprisingly, its wonderful color was not universally popular. The Roman writer Pilney decried the modern use of a flashy bright red pigments like vermilion back in the first century AD. Then it became more widely available thanks to the trade links of the Far East. But that didn't stop ancient Romans wanting bright red colored things as uncovered frescoes in Pompeii show. 
Wow. But yeah, I mean, this, I mean, this was the most simplest of articles I could find. Right. Well, and it's, I mean, it's that chemistry compound of why, yeah. where it was popular and why. It's well, popular. and then it just goes on. It just says it's, you're simply mixing two chemicals together and you got that red. Like that's why it was so popular because it was so easy to make. Yeah. And just to just and use everywhere. Yeah. And like I said, like, um, they said it, uh, a lot of places called it like blood red because it was so red. Wow. Was, it was, I fell down that rabbit hole. I was just like, Oh, what were the, was it, is it carcinogenic? Is that why it's bad? Um, yes. It never really said in the article, it just said that it was, <laughs> Oh man. Um, but yeah, so it was really cool to, but I mean, back then when you found something like that, you were like, holy shit, I found something cool and then probably died a year later, but you know. Oh, let's see if I can find the, why is vermilion bad? Because of the mercury. <laughs> right? Oh, I just saw an article. Well, this is from India times because India is a large producer of textiles and mm-hmm. dyed textiles. Um, oh, effects on the kidney and brain. It can cause food poisoning. Like if you inhale it and cause food poisoning can cause skin irritations and allergies. Um, traditionally the herbal vermilion was made up of turmeric, lime and other herbal ingredients that were actually good for the health. But then it was switched to like red lead and mercury. I just remember going through nursing school because we still had the mercury uh, thermometers. Oh, right. And one broke and we had to evacuate. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's how old I am, guys. We had a mercury thermometer growing up. And I just remember my mom being like, this is not a toy. Don't break this. Don't I know. Break I just this. remember like my mom like flicking it down to get it all. Yeah. So yeah, mercury is no good, guys. Add it to the list. Add it to the mothball bingo. <laughs> Of hazardous antique shit because there it is. Yeah. So there wasn't, this is not a super fact heavy uh, curio corner today, but I wanted to remind everybody on where to find um, Gabriella on Instagram. So uh, Gabriella's personal account on Instagram is Besame Girl. And the account for Besame, the Besame Instagram is Besame Cosmetics. And their website's under the same name, Besame Cosmetics. Mm-hmm. And you can find everything for it there. And then remember to see everything that we, um, from today's show. Be sure to head to our Instagram, The Mothball Prophecies Original, and our website, MothballProphecies.com. Yes. And of course, we always want to hear your guys' interesting antique and curio stories. So if you have one you'd like to share with this show, you can send your story via email on our website, themothballprophecies.com, under the What's Your Curio tab. Yes. And so we have a new way to get a hold of us on that, too, is because um, if you're like me, you don't want to type your whole story. You just want to hurry and bleep it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can call us at 208 five two four two and your story may be featured on a future episode we cannot stress this we love it and the cool thing we've gotten some really great ones that we can't wait to share yes some really good ones. yes they're going to be their own little standalone episode but the cool thing about that voicemail like call line thing is it also transcribes your voicemail 
Mm-hmm. So if you say in the email, like, I didn't want to type this, but also maybe you don't want to use your voice, just tell us that and we'll just read your transcription. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah, we'll do all the work. You just have to leave the story. That's it. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Um, you guys have really blown us away in the short amount of time that uh, the Mothball Prophecies has been on this earth. So thank yes. you so much. So much. Yes, so much. Yeah. And as <laughs> always, we hope you guys find some good shit. And we hope you remember to check under the tables. Always. Bye. Bye.